Do you, do you know if your laptop can do the virtual backgrounds? Yeah. You want me to do that? So I try that out. Let me know if this is. Oh, do you have like a. Much. Is this too green? It's very green. Okay. Let me find another color. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Long Form Conversations podcast, the podcast where we talk about long form improv. My name is David Long and I'm your host. Today we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, she is an actress, a comedian, a witch, Ooh. and she is manifesting SNL. Uh, everybody, welcome Leah Knauer. Hell yes. Long form conversations meets Knauer hour. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I love that. You, is that something you haven't before? Oh yeah. I've had that planned. I'm like, if I have a late night show or something, it's like, yeah, Knauer hour. It's just too easy. And I love it too, because it kind of trains people to pronounce our last names. Yes. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Cause I'll be honest until you just said it. I thought it was Luong. Yeah. And it's a lot long. Of think that. It's long. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so uh, uh, Lee and I, we actually met uh, in Groundlings class. Gosh, what was that? Six months ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and right away I just clocked Leah. I was like, Oh, she's the one she's got that it um, factor. She's the one thanks. to keep track of. We were reading the same book. That's right. We were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it uh, comedy, was comedy? It? Yes, Bill Oden. Wait, why did I just say Bill Odenkirk? Bob Odenkirk's book. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just two two scholars, two yes. uh, <laughs> healthy students of comedy. Yes. Yeah, um, I would say we're like equally obsessed with comedy, which I think is why we clicked. Yeah, and one thing that uh, uh, you know, after class we got drinks together as a class, and one mm -hmm. thing that we both zeroed in on is just like, I want SNL, and you're like, I want SNL. Let's go, baby. So that common goal was just like, all right, well, you know, game recognized game. Let's yes, go. let's go. Lift each other up. Uh, so um, we like to start off with just um, a little bit of like banter, just catching up. And it has been a minute since I've seen you, uh, but I know you've been busy. I know that uh, um, you've been doing a lot of stuff with your team, Adele Dazeem. Another mm -hmm. like thing I kept up with you, like, oh, I'm a big fan of that uh, yes. team. Yes. Uh, Aaliyah does musical improv and y'all have like a regular spot at uh, Westside, right? Yes. Our first show, I don't know when this comes out, but our first show is April 10th. Um, and then we have another one on the 20th and basically every other Monday for the next three months at um, Westside Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. I like to say we are like an improvised pop girl group, um, kind of like if Spice Girls made up their songs on the spot. It's sexy. It's funny. Um, and we all met in a UCB class, which I think is so special. Uh, something else I really like about that team. So um, I, I, I mentioned this before. I started, I was like a fan of yours when you were doing shows at uh, Inner Sanctum. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like not only, you know, very few, I ve you see very few musical improv teams, but you see even fewer that are good. Yay. Um, <laughs> I didn't I, say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. And, and for everybody out there, like I just started taking musical improv earlier this year. I'm not good either. 
but obviously that's something that takes like with anything it takes years oh it is a skill and like improv alone is hard and then you add on song structure music theory harmony i mean it helps that all of us have dancing yes synchronized dancing all of us have like a background in musical theater and we're all like songwriters or just musical people but like musical improv is really hard and it's a skill. And I feel like I didn't feel confident about it until probably three or four years in. Yeah. Um, and uh, something I will say is, you know, even earlier, I think this might've been 2018, 2019 that I, I was watching y'all at the inner sanctum. And I was like, mm -hmm. they're all like, cause you know, I think one of the important things is like everybody gets focused. And I was like, wait, they're all the lead singers. They're all the Beyonce's because y'all yes. are just so good at, taking and giving focus, but then also just yes. like owning that solo. Yes. Thank you. I thought you were going to say what most people say, especially guys who say they're all hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's you one of what? our favorite if, things. <laughs> if I, if I didn't have an appreciation for musical improv, if I like was not paying attention <laughs> and I was just like, you know, tone deaf and like, they're all hot women. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we love it. <laughs> um, uh, another thing that I just found out about you and, uh, you know, I think to your, to your credit, you're very like modest. You're not like constantly plugging yourself, but I didn't know you had, first of all, your own podcast, basic mm -hmm. witches. And mm -hmm. I was trying to, I listened to a couple of uh, episodes. Amazing. Oh, you did. What did, yeah. who did you listen to? What episodes? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was one of the last ones because, um, it has now, can you tell us about like what the status with basic witches podcast yeah. is? We are on hiatus for about a year. We, we stopped recording episodes because we're now developing our own movie, our feature film, which we're very excited about. We wrote the script in November, but it's been an idea that was conceptualized based on a true story. Like three years ago when Gigi put a hex on my ex because he fucked me over and she put a hex on his keys. Um, so the movie is inspired by that. It's called The Ex Hex. And um, yeah, we're turning it into a movie. So we, we did the podcasting for like five years, didn't miss a week. And we had Margaret Cho, we had Tommy Chong, we had some amazing guests and learned so much. We like to say we went from basic witches to bossic witches. Great. Um, and uh, uh, the, the premise, the conceit is that uh, you and Gigi are both uh, uh, witches, practicing mm -hmm. witches, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, you just kind of talk about it. It's, it's great. It's like, it's honestly, at the end of the day, even I'm about that, because to me, when I was listening to it, I was like, this is about empowerment. This yes. is about two friends supporting each other. And this is yes. about like finding your own community, which is so Yes. Awesome. Yes. And like a witch, anyone can be a witch. You don't need like a degree or approval from anyone. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's all about empowerment, which is what witchcraft was, especially for women and LGBTQ and marginalized folks back in the 18, 1600s. Like we literally got burned for being different. And it's so cool that now we get to just use our voice and celebrate being different and celebrate being sexual people or weird people or whatever community you fall into. It's like, be you, do you. Great message. And again, just like a really great podcast. So I know they're like not new, but if you want to check them out, how many episodes would you say you have? Oh, please listen. They're sitting up there waiting. <laughs> um, probably, I mean, probably hundreds. You said uh, every week for five years? Yeah, four or five years. So and we started two in weeks, 
five. Yeah. That's like at least 200 episodes. You do the math because I'm really bad at math. Um, yeah. And we started in the comedy store, like haunted basement, which was another level of like extra spookiness. Um, great. Yeah. So check that out. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, like as I was listening, I was like, wow, strong friendships and just uh, mm-hmm. uh, just really supportive, really warm, really positive. Uh, and Gigi uh, is in Adele Dazeem. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, then y'all met there and y'all yep. found out that you're both witches? That's Well, we weren't like, quote, witches at the time. We were, we started hanging out, smoking weed, doing yoga together. We was doing all this spiritual stuff. And we would often talk about the patriarchy and fuck the patriarchy. And eventually it was like, let's just have a podcast and talk about this and empower more women and more people. Amazing. Uh, and I'm glad that that kept going. And, you know, uh, uh, I listened to a couple of the like the the pandemic episodes as well. And I was like, wow, OK, like that's I think if you can persevere through that, that's when it's like this is a good Oof. partnership, a good project, a good yeah. committed thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Check it out. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask or kind of catch up with you on is mm-hmm. um, you just passed. Uh, uh, what is it now called? Improv Lab? Mm-hmm. At Groundlings, yeah. Sorry, I missed your show. Uh, I really wish I could have come, but I had another show at the same time. All good. Uh, how was, was that experience? It was great. Um, there was three girls in the whole class, which was wild. I don't think I've ever had a ratio that low. I Out mean, of sixteen, is that right? Yeah, it was. Well, it got lower as the. I think it was like twelve or fourteen near the end. But so there was three girls in the class, and we bonded. We were like, let's stick together. And, um, you know, cause sometimes people subconsciously or consciously like to pit women against each other in comedy. Um, but I loved both of them. We loved each other. And then the one girl booked a movie on like week 10, she had to drop the class. And then the second girl got COVID like the night before our show. So in the show, I was the only woman. Um, but you know, my, my class was great and they, it wasn't a big deal. And they were supportive of me. Uh, have you been in that situation before? How do you deal with like that? Do you think that's a challenge or do you see it as an opportunity? Oh, yeah. Um, great question. It's both. I've dealt with it for so long. I've been doing comedy and improv for 12 years. And it's made me um, very confident because it's like I know that sometimes people will talk over me or ignore what I said or assume that what I'm setting up is not funny um, when I know it is and so I've had to like take up space and own it be loud um, be heavy-handed sometimes and I've had women come up to me after shows and they'd be like thank you like I see what you're doing but then it's funny because then I go to like class environments and teachers will be like you gotta pull it back a little bit and i'm like yeah yeah excuse me i'm guessing yeah. that's a sir excuse me sir uh-huh how'd you know <laughs> um but yeah it's like i it's i think improv is a microcosm of hollywood which is a microcosm of our society and women need to take up space and be bold and be loud and use their voice and not be afraid to like be too confident Absolutely. Great message. And, and, you know, um, I, I, I know, I know you're not alone out there with that feeling and hopefully people can see you as an inspiration. Are you going to continue? Are you going to, Oh to yeah. Writing lab? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to take a little break because, you know, it's like yes. 12 weeks at a time. You can't miss really a class. Um, so I'm going to take a little break. I might do like a performance wow, um, which is a little less pressure. But yeah, I'm excited to continue. And this is all part of manifesting SNL, um, which I also want to note with like manifestation and stuff. It's about having a clear vision, but not being attached to mm -hmm. the goal. Mm -hmm. So like it, if I don't get SNL, it's not the end of the world. Also, I could be a host in five, 10 years. Like you never know. Um, but once I like fully accepted, I want to be on SNL. I want to be bi-coastal between LA and New York and doing sketch comedy. And then, cause SNL makes so many careers. Um, so once I accepted that I enrolled in Groundlings and I just boom, 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 went through it really fast, um, which I might not recommend, but that's what I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, one uh, thing I, I want to also mention is you're just so inspiring and so like uh, uh, such a great presence to have all of your posts and stories. Uh, um, they are all about manifestation. It's not about you manifesting it. I think that's the most important thing. You're encouraging everyone, all your followers, all your friends to be like, hey, yes. what do you want? You know, yes. post a comment or post a story of like what you're trying to manifest as well, because at the end of the day, it's all, you know, contributing to like whatever, whatever the big picture is, you know? Yes. Thank you for saying that. A rising tide lifts all ships. And like, I feel so inspired when I see other people taking big risks and being bold. Yeah. I don't want it to be just about me. I want all of us like, let's fucking do some magical shit together. Cause it's so cool. Life is so cool. And we have so much more power than I think sometimes we realize. Incredible. Um, all right, great. Well, that was our, our nice little segment on bantering and catching up. I'm glad we had a chance to do that. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What are you currently manifesting? Oh, wow. Uh, uh, thank you so much for asking that. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently manifesting. Uh, obviously, I just started this podcast. I would like for it to blow up. I'd love for people that are, you know, just in the community or even interested. I would like this to be a, a, um, a video diary or like a video, you know, uh, a record of just like, hey, what are improvisers feeling at this moment in 2023 mm. and if they are going to listen to it like now they can see what we're all going through but even in the future if they want to listen back to this like a year from now they're like wow you know and just just a year ago you know uh leah was uh, mm -hmm. uh you know uh, manifesting snl and then now she's got you know xyz projects going on so yes. i love uh, that i just want this to kind of uh, uh be a nice little reservoir or whatever you want to call it for people mm -hmm. to like drink knowledge from and so it is great all right on to our next segment which is going to be improvster syndrome this is an opportunity to talk to you and listen to your uh journey through improv and through comedy uh through acting as well but just want to talk about you know some of the trials and tribulations and how you got to where you are now Woo! where do i start um well i started improv in what was it 2012 it was i started stand-up first i started stand-up at age 19 well first let's back up a little bit more i 
have wanted to be an actor since I was six years old. It's all I've ever wanted to do is perform. Um, in high school, I was voted most likely to be in high school musical four. <laughs> um, and I wasn't even in the high school musicals in school. People just knew that I was always singing and dancing little miss ADD. Um, and so then I wanted to go to California to go to college and I didn't get into any schools, but the farthest West I got was Colorado. Um, and I was so miserable there. It was number one party school. And I like to say it was all cause of me. And then I went to rehab for <laughs> a month when I was 19. And that was literally the lowest point in my life. The fact that I talk about it openly and like almost proudly now is I never thought I would do that. I thought that that would be a secret I would take to the grave. Um, but now in hindsight, I see how it was such a blessing because that is the catalyst that got me out of college, out of Colorado. And I moved to LA when I was 19. So Shortly after rehab, I moved here. Then I started doing stand-up and that was a great way of like processing the trauma that I didn't even realize I'd just gone through. Um, and then from stand-up, my roommate and my best friend at the time, she was in classes at IO West. And that sounded so terrifying to me because stand-up, you write it, you prepare it. It's only you. You mm -hmm. only need to depend on yourself. And like, I didn't trust other people, which also was like, showing trust issues and other like emotional stuff improv reveals so much i'm yeah. sure you know um yeah and so then i started doing improv and i was not good and i most people do this and i did this it's like when you start comedy you do what you think people think is funny which is usually like offensive stuff that you've seen in movies or mm -hmm. it's like shock value but then you slowly realize like, oh, that's not what's funny. What's funny is being in the moment and authentic and real. That's um, such a really good point. I uh, just yeah. wanted to like pause on that for a second, just because like that is so true. And, and you know, before people come into improv or stand up or just any before people start to like really try to do comedy seriously, so much of it is just copying what they see on on TV or what they hear stand ups do. And a lot of that truly is just being mean because yes for some reason being mean is funny mm -hmm. uh yeah. not to say that it's the only way to be funny but that's probably what the mainstream would recognize or what like any it's very broad to make fun of someone yep. and then think like oh that's that's comedy that's like as funny as you can get so yes um, and, and the and the culture has changed so much mm -hmm. like in the past 10 years i've seen it all change um it, like on stage and off in the culture and comedy and it's so interesting and it's so for the best I mean with diversity with empowering women yeah it's like it was so needed and it's shocking that it took this long for people to realize it yeah um, um so like uh, I always like to say shout out to Gen Z for kind of yes for I'm I'm so grateful for the young people for real um yeah, so then I started classes at IO West and I was actually just talking about that this morning with my boyfriend. Like, I'm so grateful that I started comedy when I did because there was so many theaters. I would literally do, no exaggeration, three, four shows in a night. I would bop from IO West main stage to the top level stage, then go to UCB, then do a spot at the comedy store. 
like I was performing so much and I think that's how I got good fast and people don't really have as many theaters nowadays especially because of COVID and it's like such a bummer and when you were performing um at IO uh was this as a student or had you finished the coursework both okay how long did it yeah. take you to finish the because IO was six seven classes mm-hmm yeah levels yeah it was a lot um I actually did the intensive which was awesome for a summer so it was like I think we got to level five or something like that it was really fast um yeah it was like every day and one level a week and I'm pretty sure it was like four or five weeks whoa yeah so you really just hit the ground running oh yes so once I stopped going to school improv was my school comedy was my school and I was like I just need to totally commit to this um, yeah, then from IO West, I did UCB and I was always afraid of groundlings, which is why I saved that one for last. Cause I know how cutthroat it is. Uh, what was your, at, at the time I, I liked like kind of zooming back or, or flashbacking. Yeah. So, um, IO West was something that your roommate told you about. So you felt mm -hmm. very comfortable. What was your first impression or what were you hearing about UCB at the time? Hmm. At the time it was like when Lauren Lapkus was rising up and it was like very alt and indie where IO West was, um, I would say more, it was marketed towards like the actors improv because it was a lot of emotion and character and game, but it wasn't heavy on any of those. It was like all encompassing. And I loved, I love IO West because of that. It was like, it, there was no pressure to be super funny. It's like, you can have a sad scene. Whereas UCB was a little more like talking head, a little more indie alt. Also, like this was a time of Paul Shear was really popular and like shitty jobs. And I, I was at UCB so much, but it was different. I mean, each school is so different. And it's I, I think every improviser should go to all of the schools because it's seriously so helpful. And you don't have to be any one way as a performer. You can take what you like and leave the rest. Yeah, um, <clears throat> something that I think didn't really sink in for me until maybe like my third or fourth year as an improviser too is like, you're just trying to find your voice. And I think so much of taking classes, you assume or when you're when you're still a student, you're like, how do I conform to your voice? But that's hopefully, right, not what the teachers are trying to do. They're just trying to open and giving you, like you mentioned, different philosophies, different approaches, different styles. Yes. You try them on until you find the one that's like, oh, this suits me and this allows me to open up. So yes. whether that is going to be, you know, was ILS, uh, UCB or uh, Groundlings, it is hopefully, you, hopefully you meet it at the time when you're ready to like express mm -hmm. yourself uh, and not just be like, oh, game, I just got to do all game or big characters. That's not me, but let me just, you know, mm. put on these. And it all helps. It, it all, all helps. helps. Yeah. Yeah. Because eventually what? you will need to, you will need to be like, Hey, I do need to be a big character, but this is yep. not because I'm trying to pass a class. This is because this is the character that like I want to embody. And I want to use to like convey my art. Yes. So uh, uh, you're at uh, UCB, mm -hmm. and uh, um, is this is this are you, are you kind of so you finished IO and now you're starting the coursework at UCB? I kind of did all of them at the same time, which I would not again. I would not recommend. Um, but, you know, whatever, here I am. Um, yeah, so I was doing IO West, UCB, 
and Westside Comedy Theater at the same time. Oh, wow. Yes. And I did a summer intensive at Second City Chicago, which was very cool to like be in the, you know, the the birth city of improv. So uh, was that online or were you? That was in person. You're going from Santa Monica to yes. Hollywood to, to <laughs> Chicago. Yes. For summer, I think it was like, I think it was like two weeks. It was, it was really fast. It was basically like with my best friend who introduced me to iOS because mm-hmm. she's from Chicago. Um, so yeah, it was basically like a vacation, an improv-based vacation. I was like 24 or something. And it was very fun. Uh, uh, so uh, on your journey, so uh, I just want to get this clear. You wanted to be an actress. You came out to California. Yeah. And it seems like it's a whirlwind romance with uh, improv and it kind of has a way of doing that. I've noticed where people mm-hmm. are just like, Hey, I'm here to be a director. I'm here to be an actor. And they're just like, but actually, instead of all that, let me, mm-hmm. let me take a million improv classes. So yeah. Give me some perspective. Are you also, uh, you mentioned that you're kind of booking stuff. So you're also auditioning. How does this mm-hmm. fit into your life? Like how much of your time would you say is being spent, uh, dedicated to improv? Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, like I said, I considered myself a student of comedy and I was like, if I want to be a comedic actress, which I did and I do, I need to understand who I am. And I I think I can best do that by getting on stage and failing and succeeding and failing again. And um, what's cool about improv and stand-up and performing is it's finally something in the industry that you have control over. And instead of auditioning and not getting it and waiting to hear back, it's like, I can get on stage tonight and know that I made someone laugh and made someone smile. Um, And then that confidence can bleed into my auditions because my auditions got better when I got better. And by better, I mainly mean more confident in my abilities and like less afraid to be weird and make a choice and not second guess myself. Oh, great. So uh, uh, what year are we at by the time you are, uh, I guess, like done at UCB? Mm, well, um, what do you mean done? Well, I guess, I guess you're never really done. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I finished like 401 in probably 2014. 14, 2015. Mm-hmm. And then I took a one-off musical improv class in, I think it was 2016 um, that we all met. And yeah, that was my last UCB class, but Adele Dazeem is born from UCB. So it still feels like we are a UCB team, even though we don't perform there really. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, 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 and I guess this is the, always the part that I get so interested in because I think this is where most improvisers find themselves caught, you know, because we know what the beginning looks like. Mm-hmm. It is um, uh, uh, taking classes and, and making practice groups. Mm-hmm. And we know what the end looks like. It's when you're booked and busy and you're yes. professional. But <laughs> it's that journey from like finishing 401 or finishing at iOS or finishing, you know, whatever school to that, that I think always looks the most nebulous and that's kind of uh uh and and you know you are someone that i think has navigated that very well so i I think a lot of people might appreciate to hear like how what you were doing for those uh, those past couple years yeah i think um well trusting yourself trusting your ideas and having the in like manifestation i call it inspired action when you like have an idea and it's no longer an idea it's like okay i'm going to do it 
Um, so improv and passing all these levels and having this new confidence was like, okay, now I feel like I am trained enough to write my own sketches. So then I, with an old boyfriend, I had um, a web series for like a year and that was so helpful in writing and performing. And well, also too, like tweeting at Kevin Smith. Do you want to get into that? Yeah. Do you, yeah. you know about that, right? I actually do not know about this. Oh, so I'd love shit. To hear about this on your okay. uh, improv journey. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely improv is to thank for, for a lot of this. Um, so, while I was in all these classes and training, I, it was 2015, I think. Um, Kevin Smith is from New Jersey and he was, it was announced that he was going to shoot Mall Rats 2 at the Granite Run Mall in Pennsylvania, which is literally one of the malls I, I grew up going to um, and like shoplifted from. And <laughs> so I start. my cousin told me that he was shooting it there. So I was like, as a joke, I said to her, oh, I'm going to start tweeting at him because I was big on Twitter at the time. I was always tweeting jokes and, you know, had like a pretty good following. And so I was I was like, oh, I'm going to start tweeting at him. And so then I started and people started following along and commenting. They were like, oh, my God, you have to continue with this. So then around like day 10, 14, I started to run out of jokes. I was like, I don't know what else I can say <laughs> beyond like put me in your movie, please. And then I tweeted at him for 278 consecutive days. There was a few days missed, but for the most part, that's how your face right now. You're like, holy shit. Well, cause when you, cause I, I don't know the story. <clears throat> and when you said I tweeted at Kevin Smith, I was like, oh yeah, one at mention, but for 280 days, that's yes. And multiple tweets per day. No, always one a day. Um, sometimes Good, it would sure. be like, yeah, one a day. It would be like self-deprecating or it would be funny or it'd be like, here's what I'm up to. It would have like a picture of my headshot or it was always different. Um, and then people from the A View Ask universe, which is like his, all his movies take place in the same universe. People from the movies um, started following along and tweeting me and messaging me like, oh my God, this is so going to work. Like, keep it up. I think it's so <laughs> awesome. And so I just had to, and sometimes he would like it. Um, he didn't really respond a lot, but when he liked it, it was like, okay, he hasn't blocked me yet. So that's a good sign. Then over time, and this is the first, this is the biggest manifestation thing I've ever experienced, which is what has inspired me to teach more people and, and tell my story about this because it's, it's so cool. Um, and it literally feels like a dream, like a surreal thing sometimes. Um, so then I started to have friends who were very aware of what I was doing and they would support me on this journey. So they would be like working with him or ran into him at a diner or, you know, on set and they would bring up my name and he would be like, oh yeah, I know who Leah Knauer <laughs> is. And then one day my friend Janine was uh, working on set where he was supposed to be a special guest. It was a finale of this show. And she was like, look, I'll get you on set. I'm not gonna do anything else. You, that's all you. So she got me a VIP pass and I saw him on set and I walked and turned a corner and I very respectfully went up to him. I was like, 
Hi, I just wanted to introduce myself. Um, my name is Leah Knauer and he immediately was like, oh my God, bring it in. He gave me a hug. Then he goes, yeah, we're, we're thinking of shooting in New, or New Orleans. And I was like, um, like, yeah, okay, I'll be there. Like, I don't care where you shoot. And immediately he was just so cool and so nice. And we took a photo together and, and um, Jay was there too. And it was just so surreal. And I'm so grateful for all of the support that I had on this journey because I could not have done it alone. Um, and then after we met in person, I stopped tweeting at him because it was kind of like, okay, it's a done deal. I'm going to stop bothering you. And then in 20, what was it? 2019. So it was like a four year journey. 2019 went to New Orleans, which is by the way, the most witchy city besides Salem, um, the most witchy city in the country. So it was like the fact that we shot there on this manifestation journey was just like so cool and it was so fun and i'm in jay and silent bob the reboot amazing great uh so crazy uh, a, that is a very crazy uh uh story and like really important and i i actually <clears throat> want to be careful with using that term crazy because also this could have turned out very <clears throat> very badly because could, could you imagine <laughs> someone's tweeting at you for the better part of a year mm -hmm. you're just at work mm -hmm. you're just working and then all of a sudden Hi, Kevin, I'm here. <clears throat> what do you think is, yeah. is the, the uh, I think having a good sense of humor about it is, yeah. is really good, but like, just in case people are listening to this and getting the idea of like, maybe I should do this. Yes. What do you think is the thing that like made this like not scary, not harassing, but like mm, yeah. a, a, a something that like that, that, that they can recognize like, hey, here's someone that is, you know, trying to do the darn thing. Yeah, um, I think being grateful and yeah like you said like treading lightly and if he had blocked me and said like please stop tweeting at me I would have um and thankfully I unknowingly picked the perfect director like Martin Scorsese if I did it at him <laughs> like no fucking way but like Kevin oh, TikTok guy I think is he uh I, that's kind of a joke he's I think it's his daughter his daughter has a TikTok and it's but it's really just his daughter like doing things and he's kind oh of that's like, funny that's like, funny yeah it's like <laughs> what's going on what's going on uh-huh kevin though is like such a the whole story is a testament to how fucking cool kevin smith is he is a huge film fan he is like a hustler himself he he made a short film that went to sundance clerks and then that made his whole career and he's he has a connection to Stan Lee and Stan Lee helped him. So I think because of the journey he's been on, it was like you said earlier, like game recognized game. And I think he had an appreciation for me, like doing something bold. And, you know, in Hollywood, we're told or we're not told, we just pick up on these unspoken rules of you have to audition and do it this way and do it that way. But this whole story was like, no, you don't. You can make your own path and do it your way. Um, but yeah, I would say have a sense of humor about it and be grateful and be willing to stop if it goes too far. Great. Really good advice. Uh, really, um, just like really good story to like, hopefully get people encouraged and amped mm -hmm. to, to try to manifest things and try to pave their own way and if you're feeling frustrated with like submitting or with auditioning, mm -hmm. like get on Twitter. Oh, and I would say leave Kevin Smith alone. I think I put him through enough. 
<laughs> yeah, I think, and that's the other thing. Like, Pick the innovative being new, I don't yes. think, I don't think tweeting someone is going to work anymore because that's already been scratched off the list. Yep. So uh, try something. And new. it was so funny. People started. People were copying me, literally mm -hmm. tweeting at Kevin Smith to get into the movie, and I was just like. I mean, I don't care. It's it's whatever. I'm glad I inspired them. But it was a little, they would go like five days and then they would stop and be like, yeah, because this is hard. It's it's not easy. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. This is, I think, a really good segue into our next segment. Something that I really wanted to talk to you about because uh, I didn't realize that that story was coming. So it's a, it's pretty amazing that like I threw this idea at you uh, and I didn't know that you'd have so much, just a wealth of knowledge to to, to give us all. But uh, we're going to jump onto our topic of the week. And that topic that we kind of uh, discuss is creating your own opportunities. Because kind of like I mentioned, so much of improv is like, you know, there's only so many set opportunities. There's the class show. There's a couple of jams. Mm -hmm. And then like uh, every so often you can, even pitching a show, I would say, is creating your own opportunity from there. So I guess in yeah. terms of like open submissions, it is, it is few and far between. And you are someone that, uh, uh, since I've seen you do so many shows around, I, I just know it's like, well, I know they're not asking her. I know that she is out there, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 paving her own way. So uh, can you talk to us about the ways that you kind of um, uh, journeyed that? I think the Kevin Smith one is already a really good example. Yeah. I think a big part of it is having a vision of the bigger picture. So like you said, like a lot of people move here to be an actor and then they fall into improv. And then I think, I'm not trying to call people out, but I think some people settle and they're like, okay, I'm going to teach improv, but it's like, well, wait, you moved here to act. So if you're good at improv, if you love improv, you can use improv in other areas and facets of your life. And it doesn't have to just be on stage because like you said it's like you do the class then you do the class show then what but you can use improv to write a sketch then you shoot that sketch and then you tweet that sketch at whoever you want to see it and then that could make your film career um so i think it's it's truly a lot of it comes down to confidence and self-worth which is not something that's just there. It's something you have to cultivate each individual person. And it's hard, it's hard work. You have to be honest with yourself. And this can be in therapy or journaling or meditation. And my comedy got better when, and, and my comedy and my career got better when I got better at being a human and loving myself. Uh, I think you uh, brought up a really good point there and something that I want to kind of speak to because you mentioned that you kind of need to have that goal or you kind of need to have that idea or that big picture yes. already. Um, and improv can't be the whole big picture. Improv is, I think, just a tool. Yeah. Uh, to, Unless to that's truly what you love because there's people who that's truly all they love and that's great. Do it. Yeah, in which case that is kind of already – the, the, like you mentioned, like, hey, like, uh, if you wanted to be an improv teacher and you become an improv teacher, then that is you manifesting the original yes. idea. But yes. I, I totally agree with you where if your original plan was to, you know, be the next John Favreau, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're just taking improv classes, that's not going to get you to John Favreau. There's so many other things yes. uh, in between. Yeah. Uh, so I totally get what you're saying about making your own opportunities or rather just having your, your bigger idea. And for you, that yes. has always been, like you mentioned, wanting to be an actor since you were mm -hmm. six. 
Mm-hmm. I like I've been manifesting before I had a word for it too, because I remember when I wanted to go to USC, that was my number one college I wanted to go to. I sent my like um, application materials in this big manila envelope and I decorated it with like stickers and drawings. And it was definitely like inspired by uh, Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. That is my all-time favorite movie because it's a story of a woman who's being underestimated, told she can't do it. And then she's like, no, I, I can. This like, I'm amazing and I'm smart and watch me fucking study my ass off. Watch me show these men that I am capable and smart and I'm going to be the best lawyer that Harvard's ever seen. Um, she did it her way. She did it her way. And she wore video. Yes. Oh my God. The video. Yes. The video. Yes. Oh, I, I sprayed my USC envelope. Yeah. She, (laughs) she wore pink suits. I mean, yeah, you don't have to sacrifice who you are. I actually, that reminds me when I was in standup, I noticed over time that I was becoming someone that I wasn't like in standup. It's very masculine. It can be very toxic. And I, somehow turned into this person that was wearing flannel and wearing black and wearing sneakers and I was depressed and I was like drinking a lot and it's like wait I was always this bubbly fun fashionable girl and then when I started dressing the way I wanted to and still doing comedy it was like oh that's who I am I don't need to fit this mold of what an improviser looks like or talks like or a stand-up talks like it's like be you that is truly your superpower um and uh uh speaking to that like uh uh uh, you do a lot and i guess i want to hear your approach to like how it fits into your your overall goal because uh you got a podcast Mm -hmm. you got adele dazine Mm -hmm. you do stand up uh i've seen you do a couple of sketches as well so like obviously Mm -hmm. they're all good opportunities, good reps, but like, how Mm -hmm. do you think that, or what's like, if there is like the strategy behind doing it, or maybe it's just fun. Maybe it's just fun to do these things. Follow the fun. Yeah. I also am a Gemini. So we are known for doing all of the things all at once. And, um, yeah, it all inspires each other. I actually don't do stand up anymore. Um, so that's kind of nice to have off the plate and yeah, like following the fun, following what makes you feel good. If you're not excited to do something, don't do it. And I love leading my life with the mindset of like growth mindset of not needing to be perfect going out there. Like for groundlings, my, my intention was yes, manifest SNL, but ultimately make new friends and learn new skills. And when you simplify it like that, it's like the pressure is off. And it's like, yeah. So if there's something you want to do, but you don't normally do that, like, oh, I, I want to direct a film, but I've never directed before. It's like, do it. The worst thing that can happen is you learn. That's the worst thing. Uh, absolutely. I, I uh, uh, want to talk to you about a, an opportunity that I think we, I, again, you know, you didn't know I had a podcast until like a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know you had a podcast that uh, <laughs> uh, until a couple weeks ago, but like, let's talk about that as an opportunity in creating mm-hmm. a podcast. What was your original idea or impetus for, for starting uh, Basic Witches? Yeah. Basic Witches was born to empower people, make people laugh. Um, and yeah, Gigi and I started at the comedy store and 
our goal was to talk to spiritual people and non-spiritual people and artists, comedians, actors about their spiritual life because we all have it. Even if you don't have a spiritual life, that's your spiritual life. And you lead your life believing that there is nothing out there. Um, but we all believe something spiritually. And I think it's just so interesting. And um, yeah, we always wonder like, what is a witch? And mm -hmm. what is, how do you feel empowered? What, what changed your life? And learning from other people is, is how we all can help each other rise up. Um, and yeah, it was like, just so interesting to hear from different people what they believe and how they lead their life and that's helped me all of this like wisdom mm -hmm. that I have about manifestation it's all picked up from all the conversations we had with so many different people so when you first started it uh, uh you and Gigi, Gigi started it together mm -hmm. and the two of you had an interest or were you already uh had some like expertise on the subject we were, I would not say we were experts. We were definitely interested and we were like, what is a witch? Um, but also like female empowerment is ultimately what witchcraft is and, and knowing your actually not even female empowerment, empowerment for anyone who, who subscribes to that. Um, and knowing that nature is healing nature is beautiful we are all one we have so much more in common than we do different um even though the media or government or whoever will try to tell us otherwise it's like we're all just humans doing our best um yeah so i, I guess how did that idea come about um because that's what i think is really great is when you find something that is again uniquely you or something that you uh, enjoy talking about or never getting sick of talking about and you decide mm -hmm. you know what I want to start doing this on a regular basis for other people to experience so yeah what was the idea who was it you pitching it to, to Gigi that she pitch it to, did they pitch it to you we actually had like a an October Adele Dazeem show coming up this was probably like 2016 2017 and we were making a flyer for it and um I think I basic bitch was like a big phrase at the time and, um, you know, like bitches with their like Starbucks cup and fall leaves. So basic bitch was a big thing. And then witchcraft was starting to become kind of mainstream. And we on the flyer put like basic witches invited or something. And then later that night, because we talk so much about empowerment and the patriarchy and like yoga and smoking weed and all that, um, I texted her and was like, let's make a podcast called Basic Witches and like find out what witches are. And yeah, we come to learn that witches are not these fantastical things in movies with warts and green skin and a big hat. It's like they can be beautiful, blonde, busty women in Los Angeles wearing pink and sparkly eyeliner. That's me for anyone listening. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, there's like witches are are among you. Actually, literally my mug says, oh, maybe you can't see it. I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm a hundred percent that witch. Oh, there we go. Love great, great mug. Where'd you get that? <laughs> uh my best friend Alexa gave it to me. She got it for me. Oh, very sweet. Yeah. Uh so uh I guess like uh, you mentioned I started off at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. Did you have to was there 
And this is like another thing about like uh, uh, creating opportunities. Was there like a, a gatekeeper or someone that you had to like get permission from to do that? It's so funny how it happened. Um, so I, this was probably the beginning of my like, I was in therapy and stuff, but this was the beginning of me like really stepping into like, okay, I'm going to make better choices for myself and try to be more positive because I was not always this way. Um, and even still, it's something I work at, which is why I post and talk so much about it because it's it's a practice. That's why it's called a practice. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in the beginning of my emotional healing, trauma healing journey and I was doing roast battle. Do you know what roast battle is? Uh, it's where people, stand-ups trade insults back and forth. Yes. So I was really into that world, which was super fun. But as you could imagine, very negative. And like some people handle it better than others. And it was starting to wear on me, like people making fun of you in front of a room and then laughing at you. I don't know. Um, so I was supposed to battle this guy, Mike Schmidt. And we got coffee one time and and told each other our stories. So it would give us like ammo, so to speak, to, to write jokes about each other. And then like uh, two weeks before my battle with him, I texted him. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like my mental health is not good right now and I can't handle this. Um, so I'm going to have to bow out. And he totally understood. He was so cool about it. And it was scrapped. Then like a few weeks or like a few months later, he was the guy named in charge of running the new podcast studio in the basement. So because we had this rapport and we had that kind of vulnerable moment together, I texted him and I was like, I'm thinking of having this podcast, Basic Witches. I also know that the comedy store is kind of witchy, so it kind of feels like the perfect place for it. And he immediately was down and we were... I believe the first all female led podcast that started in that, in that basement and fun fact about the basement. This was very spooky to find out that basement is where, cause the comedy store is very historic it, in like the, I think 1940s or something like that in the basement, they would, it was a nightclub and they used to have um, mobsters come down there and they would do forced abortions in the basement yes and there's even it's still there there's a tunnel in one of the rooms that leads to like I guess I don't know where it goes but at some point mistresses or like people or prostitutes would come down through the tunnel or you know through the back door and they would have these maybe maybe not always forced but the tale is that they were forced abortions and for these mobsters and yeah, so the fact that we had this female empowering um, show in this spooky, like dark, it, it was kind of like literally taking the power back of that space. And we had so many witchy, crazy moments. We had this medium come on as a guest one time, Brittany Lee, she's amazing. And she felt, um, oh my gosh, uh, his name is escaping me right now, Andy... I want to say Andy Grammer, but that's a singer. <laughs> it was not Andy Grammer. Who's the guy that Jim Carrey played in that movie? Oh, uh, Andy uh, Kaufman. Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. And she said that Tony Clifton, who was like his alter ego, she was like, I feel this was in the kitchen. She was like, I feel two spirits here. One is like 
kind of a normal guy and the other is like this crazy wacky figure and she was like have have things ever flown or been thrown in here and one of the staffers was like yeah one time a stapler just flew across the room and we don't know how and she was like that was him he's still playing pranks on you guys he's still trying to mess with you guys so it's so it's so interesting that place is it does have um negative spooky vibes and it's not just because of the mill comics there's some real, <laughs> there's some real shit going on there. Oh my gosh! That, yeah, that place is just uh, seems like it's a boiling with uh, negative energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we we brought some positive energy down there and did what we could. Uh, so uh, uh, one thing that I think is pretty great and pretty like inspiring is just you, again finding something that you're curious in. You don't have to be an expert in, and and just like wanting to turn that into art or turn that into something that you want to create. Uh, totally. And I just uh, wanted to double check. Did you say you came up with a name first? Mm -hmm. That's so funny. Why? Because uh, <laughs> I think people can draw inspiration from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and you know, I've gotten some flack for it, but I, I love puns, obviously. Oh, I love puns. I wrote a whole pilot screenplay, uh, like the sitcom. Uh -huh. Just because I thought of a funny pun, I was like, that'd be a fun screenplay. That's and obviously, amazing. Um, this podcast title is yes. a pun. So, so like, good. Again, you can just draw inspiration from anywhere and just like, hey, that's a funny, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Basic Bitches is just like such a, uh, it was such a. Basic Witches. <laughs> no, no, I know. But the original term. That you oh, did, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would never, I would never call you that. <laughs> But like just something in the in the pop culture for you to just take one little twist and be like, you know what, that's the whole idea. Oh, totally. Uh, it is great. And again, that's just like how how small of an idea you can start with before you can like decide like make a whole podcast out of it, make yep. a whole uh, 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 screenplay out of it, or write a whole you know stage show. Yeah. You know they say people who like puns are very intelligent. I don't doubt it. I really don't. So know we are very smart. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I, I, an excellent way to just tie this all back. So after <laughs> doing the improv, after finding out that you can go on stage with truly nothing and get a mm -hmm. word and, 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 you know, sustaining whole scene, mm -hmm. I do think that hopefully people listening, like you should have that confidence that you're able to do anything, even if it's not comedy related anything. And it all starts with your mindset. So if you're telling yourself, oh no, I can't do that. It's like, you're right. You can't do that because you believe that you can't do that. But if you literally today, you can change that if you, and it's, it's not going to feel true or real. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but if you then change it to, I can do that. I am capable of doing that. I am worthy of trying to do that thing. Actually not even trying because trying is not to be like Yoda, but it's like, you don't try things. You, if you want do, to do an improv class, you're not trying improv, you're doing improv. So yeah, if you tell yourself like, I am worthy of doing that thing, then suddenly you will start taking action because thoughts lead to actions and action leads to things happening, change. All right. Uh, you heard it here from the Jedi master herself. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a great way to uh, end this. Improv we do.
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. When you said, it, I was like, I, I, it's like, I know this reference. All too well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into one of our last segments, which is going to be our hot improv takes. Hot take. For this section, we're just going to just do a quick rant uh, off of something that we're seeing in improv. Uh, it could be a uh, something that we want to see more of, want to see less of, or maybe it's like, hey, it's like perfect right now. Don't stray away from this. Mm. Um, so just your hot take on improv. Do you okay. want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first because I immediately have an answer. Okay. Um, hot improv take. I think we've, I think we're all done with the sweet, sweet baby. <laughs> I think we've all seen it. We've all done it and we can all move on. Uh, have you seen a lot of that? <laughs> seen so much of that. So yeah. much. I wonder where that came from. Cause I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And there's this, for people listening, there's like this bouncing and then you're rubbing your fingers. Like you have money in both of your hands. You're like sweet, sweet baby. Yeah. You're like a little goblin. And cause it'll be like, um, you know, the scene will be like, we're baking pies. Like, Oh, we're gonna make those cherry pies, baby. Those sweet, sweet cherry pies, baby. <laughs> It's funny, don't get me wrong, but it's like when you see it every comedy show, you're like, okay, we all know that's funny. Let's have a new thing. That's so funny <laughs> that you point that out because I have seen it and like and and truly like I probably have seen it in the last week, but not clocked it. But it now is... you'll see it. Now that you're aware of it, you'll see it all the time. Good. So we're spreading awareness. So uh, everybody, <laughs> if you start seeing that in improv shows, you're gonna start noticing everywhere. See something, laughing. say something. <laughs> yeah do the right thing <laughs> tell them not to do it boo from the audience <laughs> boo. that's uh, sweet sweet boo baby <laughs> boos baby and i will say like having just done it three times it is fun i guess it is fun i know and we're laughing we're having fun but yeah, yeah. save it for yeah save it for uh, uh uh practice don't bring it up for the shows um <laughs> on the same vein uh here's my heart my um Hot improv take, stop falling in love in scenes. Come it's on! such an easy back pocket thing. Here's the thing, if the scene calls for it, if it earns it, great, but you, I've seen it so many times where the scene's gonna be about coworkers. It will be about mm. uh, uh, friends hanging out uh, you know, for a reunion, and then they, you can tell they freeze. There's a moment where they don't know what's going on. They say, um, I have something I need to tell you. I'm in love with you, and it's just like, Come on, like I know that that's you know they always say have a have a secret, have a confession, blah blah. And I totally agree with that. That's so valid. And that's so true. Just stop making it romance. Stop making it you know, especially like when people are in a scene, uh, um, they're in a uh, scene with the uh, someone that they're um, the the gender of this per the, the character is the gender that they are attracted to in real life. It's like they're bringing their own mm -hmm. like little like ooh, I'm in a scene with a pretty girl. I'm gonna tell her I'm in love with her. You know? I'm imagining you on a real date in real life. And they're like, David, I have feelings for you. And you're like, stop doing the romance. <laughs> Just stop falling in love with me. Well, again, <laughs> if it's a date, that makes sense. If it's a relationship, it makes sense. And, and I think we've seen it too. Sometimes it'll be like family members, right? Oh yeah. I'm not into that. Yeah. I'm not into that. I'm not into it. And, and, and you know, like I said, like obviously some scenes will lead to love. It's heightened. It's obviously it's like warm feelings that heightens into love. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, hey, we're going to start a business. We're going to start a lemonade stand, and then I love you. What? How do we get from? <laughs> and to me, what I clock it as is like, 
there are people that can own like they see everything as like romantic or mm-hmm. sexual so like mm-hmm. if the relationship is business partners are like well obviously we want to fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but the relationship is like oh hey i'm here to sell you a car this salesman wants to fuck me <laughs> <laughs> so that's all i'm trying to say is like 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 you said like a lot of times with improv it's like it's very telling like who you are and if you're uh-huh. doing that i'm just like hey relax some people are just people some people are just friendly because they are friendly to you yes all right uh last thing we're just gonna wrap it up now with some plugs so leah please plug away i know you got a lot of great things to promote plug it in plug it in um yes come see adele dazim at the west side comedy theater we have shows every other monday for the summer basically i think in uh, at the end of june so yeah in santa monica if you're on the west side and follow us at Adele Dazim LA. Follow me at Leah Knauer, L-E-A-H-K-N-A-U-E-R. I do a lot of shows around LA. Um, I just wrapped yesterday a short film called The Ally, which I play the lead and I'm very excited about that. Um, and yeah, follow me on Instagram. I think that's the best way to keep in touch and, and come see me live. All right, great. Oh. And I have two of my own holographic Oracle decks for sale. Um, One is the rich, Witch affirmations. These are money mantras, abundance affirmations that I used first to see if they work. And trust me, they work. My bank account is bigger than ever. My (laughs) career is better than ever. I mean, truly, um, when you tell yourself positive affirmations about money or anything, it's like, you see the results. So I have rich, witch affirmations for sale and then journal prompts for bad bitches. Uh, is there a, uh, a link for that or directly in your Instagram? Uh, yeah. Also, if you go to my Instagram, it's, it's in my link in my bio, that All sweet, right. sweet link in the bio, baby. <laughs> oh my fun. God. I get it. I think you got to re- retract that hot improv take now. Cause it is, <laughs> so we're just like, oh. I love that sweet, 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 sweet baby, baby. Yes. <laughs> All right, great. Well, uh, um, so great to have you. So glad that uh, uh, you were able to be our guest. And uh, it's just so fun to, to chat with you and talk about the thing that we love most, comedy yes. uh, and uh, improv. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, take care, everybody. Uh, see you next time on Long Form Conversations. Bye.